the word for today is hope. And we humans, we have an uncanny ability to hope. I think about a teacher preparing her classroom for the upcoming school year, and as she gets everything set up, she can see, she can envision where the students will be learning and playing even before they get there. She has hope that this classroom will be a great place of learning, and she can envision the students there interacting with one another and and learning and growing before her very eyes, even before the school year begins. I think about a bride planning her wedding, working on every meticulous detail, wanting everything to be perfect about that day, about the ceremony and the reception. And before any of that stuff even goes down, sometimes right after, you know, the fiance pops the question, she can already begin to envision what that day will look like. Hope! She can see it before it even arrives. What about a couple building their dream home? Have you ever walked around a home that is being constructed with the future owner? And the person is saying, this is where the laundry room will be, and this is the kitchen, and here's where the range and the microwave will be. And you can't see any of that stuff. All you can see is just the studs, and you know it looks like a construction project underway. But they can see. They can envision. And strip it down from there. Somebody who's bought a tract of land, And they envision their dream home there and they can see the children playing in the yard and they can envision the family dinners around the table in the dining room. That's hope. Before it even materializes, it can be seen in the mind's eye. What about a mom setting up the newborn's nursery? Arranging everything just right. Putting up the the crib and the changing pad and seeing before the little one even arrives, maybe even before you know what the gender is or you have a name picked out, you can see your baby girl or boy in this room. That's hope. We have the ability to see what is yet unseen. While in the present, we can envision the future. Except when we can't. You know, it seems to me that in the moments when we need hope the most, We're unable to generate it. God's people in the Old Testament, the nation of Judah, faces such a moment. And I want you to look with me in the book of Jeremiah. And we're going to start in chapter 16. God's special nation, they face a moment when all hope seems lost, when they are exiled, when because of their rebelliousness and sinfulness, God says, I am sending you out of the land of promise to a land which you do not know. And this, for Judah, was a a time of great darkness and near hopelessness. And I want you to look with me, and this will provide an example. In Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 13. Listen to God, the statement of God here. He says, I will hurl you. What about that language? I will cast you. I, will, I picture a person throwing shot put. I will hurl you out of this land into a land that neither you nor your fathers have known. I'm taking you out of the land that I told you I would bring you into, the land flowing with milk and honey that you were so excited about, that you fought for, that I ensured that you could live in. And you can go to some other land, and there you shall serve other gods day and night. Because that's what you want to do anyway. 
That's what you've been doing. You've had no interest in serving me, the one true God, the God uh, who has delivered you and redeemed you. You want to chase after all these false gods. And so now here's your chance. I'm going to let you go do what you want to do anyway in this land which you do not know, and I will show you no favor. Now, what about that? This launches God's people into a dark season, a very dark season. And God's people have always faced dark seasons. Sin habits that we just can't quite even though we've been baptized believers for, year, that's, for years, that same temptation just keeps presenting itself to us, bubbling up, drawing us away from our devotion to God and to His will. Even worse, addictions to alcohol and drugs can take people devoted to God and totally wreck their lives. Dark seasons. Diseases that we fight and fight, and now it's in remission, but now all these years later, it's back. We've got to go through this whole thing again. What treatment is best? Which doctor should we go see? What surgery is coming up next? Here we go again. A death? One that is expected? You knew it was coming, but even though you know it's coming, you can't quite prepare for the devastation that it causes. An unexpected death. One that just comes out of the blue. You never saw coming. Blindsides you. Throws you, casts you into a season where it seems all hope is lost. A season of great darkness where it seems like the flame of hope has been snuffed out. We face times of near hopelessness. In these times, we need hope more than any other time. But it seems that even though we need it more than ever, we can't generate it. We can't conjure it up. The 137th Psalm is written during the time of exile. When God's people were cast out of their land and into a new land, the land of Babylon. This is the historical setting that we're talking about this morning. And in Psalm 137, we hear the psalmist say this, By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and we wept when we remembered Zion. We're in a foreign land, and all we can think about is what we gave up. Is what we had to leave behind because of our own mistakes. On the willows there, we hung up our lyres, the instrument. For there our captors required of us songs and our tormentors mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. The people who took them into captivity, who drug them off into exile, are mocking them. Sing us one of those songs of faith that you used to sing. But they can't do it. They've hung up the instruments on the tree because this season has stolen the song of hope out of their hearts. And they say, in verse 4, the psalmist, reflecting the mood of his people, says, How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? How are we to even bring it to our lips? These great songs of faith and hope that we used to sing back in the day. Now in this time of despair and darkness and hopelessness, we cannot even bring ourselves to to sing these songs any longer. The songs of God and hope have been stolen from their hearts and from their mouths. 
And you know, in this era, what makes things even worse are the prophets, and I'm putting prophets into quotation marks there because these are not true spokesmen of God. You've got prophets, Jeremiah tells us, giving people a false sense of security. God's people, because of their sinfulness, have been taken off into a new land as a way for God to punish them and discipline them and shake them awake and get them to see the error of their ways. And then you've got people coming through, prophets, well, like Hananiah. In Jeremiah chapter 28, Hananiah has the gall to prophesy to God's people. And this is the gist of what he says. Listen, in two years' time, this, this whole ordeal is going to be over with. I know things are going to be bad for just a, a little while, but God will break the yoke of the king of Babylon and everybody's coming back home just in two years. And the temple will be restored as it was. All the elements of worship will be coming back. And you'll be coming back. And Babylon will be defeated. Just two years. You can make it two years. You can do anything for two years, right? That's what Hananiah was saying to the people. That's what Hananiah was saying that God was saying. Hananiah dared to speak lies in the name of God. And you know, in times of darkness, in times of crisis, you can always find someone eager to offer a quick fix or a shortcut. The self-help guru, you go down the self-help aisle in the bookstore and you think, I just need something to to help me fix my life and solve my problems. And so you pick up one of these books that makes all these grand promises about how your life can be so much better. But none of those things actually work. None of those things speak to the difficulty of the human condition. And then you got the lifestyle coaches who come through and say, now let me tell you what what you need to do. This is going to bring you into the life that you have always imagined, that you've always dreamed. All your dreams will come true. Just listen to my advice. And life's going to be great. Or what about those prosperity preachers that you hear and watch on the radio and on TV? The ones who say, God is going to give you everything that you want in the here and now as long as you believe in Him and have faith in Him. And the answer to your problems, it's greater health and it's wealth. And God will give you those things. If you only believe right now in the here and now, you can live the life that you've always dreamed of, that you've always imagined. But we don't need shortcuts like these. These shortcuts don't speak to the difficulties that we face in our lives. They don't work. These quick fixes, it's like putting a Band-Aid on a deep wound. No, thank you. That kind of stuff doesn't work. And that's what the prophets were trying to do. These false prophets like Hananiah. They were lying for one. But in addition to that, they were offering the people false hope and shortcuts that don't work. You know what we need? What we need is hope in our condition. And especially in the dark seasons that we face in our lives. When all hope seems lost. We don't need shortcuts or quick fixes. We need hope. But the question is, how do we get it? Since in these moments, it seems we're incapable of generating it. Enter God. Enter God and His true servant. 
the true prophet, Jeremiah, the one whose writings and reflections we're looking at this morning. In a letter written from Jerusalem to those taken into exile in Babylon, I'm looking at chapter 29. The majority of it is a letter that Jeremiah writes and he delivers to the people who've already been carted off to dwell in exile for a time. This is in part what he says. Listen first to what he says to these hucksters, to these false prophets who dare to offer God's people false hope in verses 8 and 9 of chapter 29. He says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your, and your diviners who are among you deceive you. Don't listen to the dreams that they dream. The dreams of people like Hananiah. He is lying to your face by saying that in two years this is going to be over. It's not the case. Verse 9, it is a lie that they're prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them. They are not my men. They don't speak for me. Don't you dare listen to them. And here's what Jeremiah says in verse 10. Thus says the Lord. And Jeremiah really is going to speak for the Lord here. Those other guys, oh, they'll say thus says the Lord before they start telling you what they, what they want to tell you and what they know you want to hear. But I really am going to speak for the Lord. So listen carefully. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, and 70 years is a little longer than two, isn't it? 70 years, that's a little harder to wait for 70 years for something. Jeremiah says, I have the very unpleasant task of telling you that what you've been hearing from these other guys just ain't true. It's not going to be two years. It's going to be 70 years. You're going to have to wait 70 years. That is the duration of your discipline, of your punishment in this land. But, when 70 years are completed in Babylon, listen to this, I will visit you. These are the words of God spoken through Jeremiah. I will visit you. I will fulfill to you my promise. And I will bring you back to this place. No quick fixes, no shortcuts. It's going to be hard. You're going to have days when it seems like this punishment is never going to end. There are going to be days when it seems like the the flame of hope has been snuffed out and all hope is lost. But I'm telling you, hold on. Because after this 70-year period, God is going to return and He's going to rescue you and He's going to bring you back into the land of of promise. So never lose hope. As hopeless as it may seem. Hold on to hope. And then verse 11. Verse 11. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. You see, only God can provide hope to seemingly hopeless situations. G.K. Chesterton once wrote, hope means hoping when things are hopeless, or it is no virtue at all. As long as matters are really hopeful, hope is mere flattery or platitude. It is only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be a strength. The anchor of a ship is most needed during a storm. Hope is most needed 
when the storms of life are raging and only God can provide such hope. Only God can give someone with a debilitating sin habit or an addiction a vision of a new way of life, of taking pleasure in the Lord instead of in the fulfillment of his sinful desires. Only God can keep that flame of hope burning against all odds through the darkness of depression or disease or death. Only God can provide to a world devastated by sin a vision of a new world healed by divine grace. And this is His vision for His people. Verses 10 and 11 of Jeremiah chapter 29. Now this verse, as you know, is a very popular verse. Is it not? It's a verse that, well, a lot of people know who may not know much else about the Bible, or about God's will. It's a verse that we see plastered on social media, and maybe you have it hanging on your wall in some pretty frame. But then you get people who come along and say, okay, we're taking this out of context. This is not really God's message to us. This was a specific message for a specific people in a specific time. And listen, I'm all about reading Scripture in context and remembering that we were not the original audience to these words. However, God, these can be our words from God. We can lay claim to this verse, and here's how we do it. We do it through Jesus Christ. I know God originally intended these words to mean a little something different, but they can be meaningful to us today. God can speak through these words today because of Jesus. Through Jesus, God can say, I have great plans for you, plans for peace and welfare and wholeness, not for evil. I want to give, give you a future and a hope through my Son, Jesus Christ. Yes, life in the present is hard. And we don't have to, you know, it's not just wait for a short period of time and then you'll be out of this difficulty called human life. There are no shortcuts. There are no quick fixes. There is only hope in Christ Jesus gives us the assurance that we need to hold on to hope. Even when it seems like in this life, all hope is lost. What I love about Christian hope is it's not vague or generic. You hear people talking about hope. Just have hope. Be hopeful. But that's not Christian hope. Christian hope is not just you know, some wish that we have. It is bold expectation that the promises of God will be fulfilled through Jesus. Our hope, as we sung about, is in the person of Christ. And Paul said that Christ in you is the hope of glory. If you've got Christ living in you, and you do, if you're a baptized believer, then His presence promises that when He returns, you will be able to dwell with Him in a glorious state forever. Future life with Him is promised now in His presence. Christ in you, that provides you with the hope of glory. A hope that there's something better beyond what we're dealing with here. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. There's hope in Christ. And yet, the evil one, Satan, the great deceiver, the father of all lies. He wants you to believe that things really are hopeless. 
He doesn't want you holding on to the hope that Jesus offers. He says, it is what it is. This is the way things are. This is the way they'll always be. And it's never going to be any different. In a book by the author Marilyn Robinson, she tells the story of a roaming band of sharecroppers who lived in this country about a hundred years ago. And this group of farmers, they had great distrust and disdain for religion and a deep skepticism of preachers. To them, preachers were just out to get your money. So they didn't want any of it. And when they stumble upon an old-fashioned tent revival by a river, they stop not to listen to the preaching, but to try to make a buck or two selling some apples. And during the meeting, they've scattered about, and they're trying to make some money, and they get separated from one of the children of the pack. And her name is Melly. And when Melly finally turns up, she is drenched from head to foot. And she says, I fell in the river. And the leader of the group replies, was it one of them preachers pulled you out? And she says, don't matter. I'm just glad somebody did. I could have drowned. He keeps grilling her. Was it one of them preachers who told you to step into that river in the first place? Them rocks is slippery. I fell in. So I guess you got yourself saved. I never said that. Listen to what he says. I got a dollar says you're still the same rascal you always been. I got a dollar says you are the same rascal you always been. That's what the evil one says to us. You'll be no different once you're baptized. There's not a glorious future waiting on you. Just give up. It's hopeless. You ever hear that voice? Whispering in your ear. Make no mistake, it's not the voice of God. It's the voice of the devil. Because the voice of God says, I am a God of hope. There is something beyond this. And it's made possible by my son, Jesus Christ. And I can fill you with joy and peace. If you believe, despite all the difficulties and the darkness that you face in this life, you can have an abiding and enduring sense of joy and peace because of your faith in me. You can hold on to hope no matter what life throws at you. And listen to what, God, listen to what the Scriptures say. My Holy Spirit can cause you to abound with hope. That's what Paul says in Romans 15, verse 13. The Holy Spirit, that guarantee, that, that down payment that God makes on us when we're baptized, that Spirit of God Almighty that dwells with us and gives us the assurance that someday we'll dwell with God in His fullness, that Spirit living within all baptized believers can cause us not just to have a little hope, not just a glimmer of hope, but can cause us to abound with hope to the point where people outside the faith look at us and they say, how can they have so much hope? Look at what they have faced in their life. Look at the death and the disease and the disappointment and the temptation. How can they hold on to hope? Because of Jesus. And because of the Spirit which dwells within our hearts. So the question is, which voice will you listen to? 
The one who says you're never going to change. There's no future waiting on you. It's hopeless. Give up. Or the one who speaks a little more softly and tenderly and says, I know things look bleak. But take heart and have hope. Do you, know, do you want to entrust your life to Christ today? You can. I hope that you will. Because God has a great life in store for you on the other side of this one. And He can place hope and peace and joy into your heart right now. Knowing that there's something better on its way. Do you need that hope that all humans long for? Are you a baptized believer but your life has gotten off track and you need to come publicly and say, I need God's forgiveness and I need the prayers of this church because I'm ready to rededicate my life to God. The invitation is yours. Why don't you come as we stand and sing?